Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to a podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lund. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 654 of the podcast. This is Thursday, January 19th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I hope everybody's ready for a little bit of a different episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. To be honest, this isn't even the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Let me explain. So as part of Aaron Torres Media, Aaron Torres Media's you know, podcast, YouTube, whatever, we have a new College Hoops show this year called College Hoops Daily, the College Hoops Daily with Zach Kroll. Zach has worked for me for years. He writes for me at Aaron Torres Online. This kid eats, sleeps, and breathes college basketball. Okay, you can follow him on Twitter at Zach Kroll underscore. But I bring it up to say this. He's been doing a great job on this podcast, the College Hoops Daily. And what I wanted to do is put one of their episodes on my feed so you could check it out. Because if you love college hoops, and my guess is if you know Aaron Torres, you do love college hoops. You're going to love this show. Zach does an amazing job. He hosts it three times a week. But every Wednesday episode, he actually has a guy named Jamie and Christian on. Jamie and Christian, by the way, is going to join the Aaron Torres pod on Friday. But Jamie and Christian is a former head coach at the D1 level, 10 years as a head coach, Mount St. Mary's small school, Siena at George Washington the last few years. He is out of coaching this year, and he is working for Aaron Torres Media, that being Jamie and Christian. So Jamian's going to join me every other Friday. He joins Zach every Wednesday. And why I bring it up, they dropped their latest episode yesterday, Wednesday, when you're listening to it. They talked about Kansas State. They talked about Iowa State. A lot of different things going on in college hoops. And I wanted you to check out this podcast because they do an incredible job. So check it out. Listen, if you enjoy it, do me a favor. Go ahead. The links to Zach's show, The College Hoops Daily, with Zach Kroll, you can look it up. Those links are in the show description. Click there, subscribe, listen to all their shows. Zach does an awesome job. Again, eat, sleeps, and breathes college hoops. Covers a bunch of games. He lives in New York, so he's covered the ACC, the Big Ten, uh, uh, the Big East tournament. Excuse me, the eight, the AAC, the A10. You get the point. Zach does an amazing job. This is the College Hoops Daily. I will be back for my regular Friday show. Not sure yet what we're going to talk about. But we will have Jamie and join me again. Jamie and a 10 year college basketball D one head coach was also an assistant on VCU's final four team in 2011. So he's got the credentials. He's got the goods. And I cannot wait until you have a chance to listen to what Jamie has to say on the Aaron Torres pod. But I think that's really it. College hoops daily is the show you need to know. Uh, and make sure to follow Zach on t- Twitter at Zach Kroll underscore Z a C K-R-U-L-L underscore. And then Jamie and Christian is Jamie and Christian, all one word, at Jamie and Christian. And that is that. So that is all for today's show. That is all for right now. Uh, I will be back on Friday, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to enjoy the College Hoops Daily and make sure to subscribe to their show too. I'll be back with everybody on Friday.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,600 shops in the UK have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos. And what I love about working with Betfred, nobody does more for their customers than Betfred does. Okay, I've told you before, but I'm going to keep telling you. Cincinnati Bengals games, that Betfred suite is rocking. They had a New Year's Eve into New Year's Day party for the launch of sports betting in the state of Ohio. Shout out to all of you who were there. Obviously, beyond that, there is the Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. We have sent listeners of this show to those tailgates. Colorado Rockies, first pitch at those games. Betfred does more for their customers than anybody, and here is what they are doing. For listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast, okay, it's what you got to do. Bet 50 on any game, and new users, how about this, get up to $1,000 in free bets. There are no catches. There are no gimmicks. Here's what you need to know. Bet 50 on any game, you get automatically $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get $200 insurance on your first five weeks as a Betfred customer. So you decided, hey, I'm going to bet this big game, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever. You end up losing it. They're going to insure you for that game. So up to five weeks, up to $200, plus $111 for signing up for Betfred today. You're going to want to do it. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Torres sent you. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, the Betfred Sportsbook. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast presented by Betfred Sports. My name is Zach Kroll. I'm your host, and this is the show where we talk all things college basketball. Now, until the end of the Final Four, the road will end there in Atlanta, and it is Wednesday, so you know 
what that means. I won't be doing this show alone. I'll be joined by former D1 coach Jamie and Kristen. If you missed last week's episode, uh, we had a major announcement that Coach Kristen is the newest member of Aaron Torres Media. He's been doing a bunch of really good work for us the last few weeks. He's going to be joining me on this show uh, throughout the rest of the season. He's going to be hopping on our guy Aaron Torres' show throughout the season as well. And Coach Kristen, I wanted to say again, thank you so much for joining me. We're really happy to have you here. What's going on, man? You know, it's been great, man. I mean, what a great college basketball slate we've had this uh, this week already. And, you know, the season's really starting to heat up. Definitely, definitely. And we had a loaded slate last night. The Big 12 was really the conference uh, we fo- we're going to focus on for a lot of today's episode. They had some big games last night, including Kansas State and arguably maybe the game of the year. I know we still have uh, a lot of basketball to be played going forward, but Kansas State and Jerome Tang, they have a signature win over the Kansas Jayhawks. I also had some thoughts on Iowa State, some thoughts on Baylor. We're going to get into the Big 12 and really just get into a lot of the action from last night's college basketball slate. And coach, my first question for you is this, right? We see Kansas State and we spoke a little bit about them last week. They've been one of the major storylines throughout this college basketball season. And it is incredible what Jerome Tang has done. He only really has two members from the team last year that decided to return in Ish Masood and Marquise Noel. And it was funny because Noel has had such a good season. He didn't even play his best game last night, and Kansas State is still able to come away with the victory. So when you look at Jerome Tang and everything he's built, and we got into this a little bit last week in terms of what coaches really value when they're looking for new players coming in from other programs and they're trying to start something new. But when you are building that program, when you're literally starting from scratch, like Jerome Tang did in this case, like what is the number one thing you're prioritizing? Not only in players coming from other schools, but really like, how do you build your program? I know that the term culture, that's something that get uh, that gets used a lot. Like how do you build that proper culture? And what is really your first step when you're trying to build up a new program? Well, you know, I think first of all, you know, you look at a guy like Drum Tang, you have a guy who's experienced and knows who knows who he is. You know, you can't build anything unless the leader knows their strengths and weaknesses. And so I had to reach out to a good friend named Kevin Sutton, who had a chance to work with Jerome Tang. And because I'm curious, I don't know, I don't know Coach Tang great. I've only met him a few times on the road. And I said, What do you think about Coach Tang? And he, he gave me this, this is verbatim. He has a high level of emotional intelligence, totally self-aware, works extremely hard as crap, a lifelong learner. Selfless and egoless, a man of God's heart, next generational leader. And these are the things that are coming from inside of that Kansas State program. I think that's really interesting. And again, that's coming from, from a good friend, Kevin Sutton. And Kevin Sutton's been around some of the best in the game in his time as a coach and assistant coach. And so if Coach Sutton is saying stuff like that from the inside of the program, and we're seeing the same thing happening on the outside of it, I mean, you've got your head coach. You know, first few games in the Big 12 on top of the scores table, preaching to the crowd against a big in-state rival like Kansas. So I think, number one, culturally, he knows who he is. So by being able to do that, he knows what kind of guys he can coach, what kind of guys he can inspire. You know, it's a, probably a good thing that he only had to replace, that he only had two guys returning. You know, it gave him a chance to ha- kind of have a clean slate where he could start anew and, and really just put his stamp on this program earlier. Now, I can tell you from a guy who's done it before, it's really hard to put your stamp on a program when you have a lot of returning guys um, because not necessarily bad or good. There's just resemblance of the past and you're trying, you're there to start anew. That's interesting you say that because I feel like this has been a big trend in, in college basketball over the course of the last few seasons in terms of the pow- the higher level, level power six programs that are expecting success, but it didn't work out with the previous coach. And a lot of times, like we've seen it with Mike Woodson at Indiana. We saw it with Tommy Lloyd at Arizona last year when he took over for Sean Miller. It's interesting that some in some instances, your number one priority as a coach is to keep some of those really talented players and hopefully coach them well enough to, to uh, lift, lift you to the top. But then in other cases like this one, uh, a clean start for the new coach might be the best thing and the best move going forward. But I wanted to mention uh, something you said about Tang and that video that went pretty viral last night of him literally standing on the scorer's table. And he also mentioned this in uh, his media availability leading up to the game. We know that Kansas and Kansas State, this is a big-time rivalry 
in the Big 12, two schools that are in the same state. And we know historically, Kansas has really dominated this rivalry over the course of the last decade plus. They've won uh, prior to last night seven games in a row in this rivalry, 15 of the last 16 games. And to take it even further, um, Bill Self against Kansas State in his career is 39 and six, and he is the only coach to lose at Bramblage Coliseum in the history of Kansas. And Jerome Tang is standing there on the table last night talking before the game about how the focus of the Kansas State fans should not be about hating Kansas. The focus of Kansas State fans should be about loving Kansas State and putting all of their energy into this Wildcat program because that's really exactly what Jerome Tang has done since he's taken over this Kansas State team. I don't think anyone besides him expected Kansas State to be a tournament team, let alone a top 10, maybe even better team in the country. So when you're when you look at that as a head coach, right, like you see your fans really have this one thing in mind that we don't like Kansas. You know, we want to beat them so badly. But then in other games like Kansas State and the environment there, it hasn't always been up to that par. So how do you what what did you take away from Jerome Tang's comments there? And as a head coach, like uh, what do you think about uh, everything he said? I love everything about it. Um, you know, it, it is about his love of Kansas state and wanting everyone in that building to feel that love and be connected on that instead of a hatred for another opponent, you know, love expands hatred and hurt, um, does not expand. Right. So, so I think being able to have an emotion that people can feel that they can take out into their community, that they can go and be prouder in the office every single day, I think it's really important. I love that it's really easy to be the guy that stands up there and says, we hate everything that they do. They're not like us. It's really easy to do that. It's really hard to sit up there and say, no, we're going to love ourselves enough to appreciate who they are, but still kick their ass when they come in here. And I think that's a really unique take on it. I just have a high level of appreciation for it. It's different. Most people won't understand it, but that fan base being in, being in concert with him, he can really take them to new heights. Absolutely. And I think that's a really good way to say it because I feel like when a lot of Kansas State fans see that, especially before the game, before they got the win, they're going to say, man, like we've been hating Kansas for the last 20 years. Literally, all they've done is beat us. And in his first game in this rivalry, Jerome Tang really sent a message, in my opinion, because it's interesting. Kansas State, they've been really good for the majority of the season. They were entering this game 15 and two. They were just fresh off of their first big 12 conference loss of the season against TCU. But when you look at this Kansas state team, like they have road wins now over Baylor and Texas, two of the better teams in not only the big 12, but all of college basketball, they now have this victory over Kansas. And it wasn't only the fact that they won this game. They got off to a really good start. Kansas really battles back, and it looked like for a second, okay, is Kansas State going to blow this? Are they actually going to come through with the victory? But they stayed focused. They came away with the win, and I was just really impressed like how poised and how uh, Kansas State was really able to bounce back every time they needed to, uh, especially when you're playing against Kansas, a team, again, that has really dominated you for the past the past 10 or so years when you're a Kansas State player in that locker room if you're a fan of Kansas State what does this game show you the fact that okay we now have some confidence the fact that we know we could uh, match up against any team in the country really you know Kansas one thing that's interesting about college basketball this year and we're going to get into this later like there isn't really that one team that stands out as the team to beat, the team that's dominant and above everyone else. And Bill Self and Kansas, with the amount of winning they've done uh, for recently, like Bill Self and Kansas win the national championship last year, the fact that they were the number two team in the country, the fact that Kansas State battled back, what does that show you about this Wildcat team? Well, I think Jerome Tang, from his first for his first time meeting the team, I think the term he uses, I, I, got, it, I got, got here from the mud. You know, I get mine from the mud. You know, which is is simple for I've earned everything I've had. You can tell that's how his team plays. They're earning everything. They're not afraid to earn it. They're excited to earn it. And so when they get off to a great start, they just keep coming back to that. I'm going to earn it. You've got a lot of guys on that team that are 
you know, you've got a small point guard, right? So he's been counted out time and time again. You got Keontae Johnson, who's been counted out for for his for his illness. You got a head coach who's who's an assistant coach forever before he became a head coach. So you have a lot of people that kind of have this uh, um, chip on their shoulder, wanting to prove it and want to prove it together. You know, it's as unique a situation as maybe we've had in college basketball. I think their ability to be connected on that and their ability to be connected on winning. Yeah. It's the first game against Kansas. The place is sold out and, and best believe that they are getting a ton of energy, new energy from the crowd and its excitement and the people on campus and the people in that town, they're getting a ton of energy off of that, but it's a new and different and unique energy for all of them because only two of them were there the year before. So it's just a really unique situation where they're really dangerous because they're playing for something much bigger than themselves individually and as a team. Absolutely. And when you look at this Kansas State team now, 16 and two following this win against Kansas, it was really impressive, too, because they were fresh off uh, again, their first Big 12 conference loss against TCU. That game was really the first. I, I mean, they played Butler and that game wasn't particularly close, but the first game in a while that Kansas State wasn't really competitive in. And I was just really impressed the way they bounce back with Noel not having his best game, but when it mattered the most, he finds Keontae Johnson for just an epic game winning dunk to give Kansas State the lead and coach we're going to get into the big 12 a little bit here there were some uh, some other big results in this league yesterday with Iowa State beating Texas you have Baylor they win their first game in a few tries over Texas Tech I mean the Red Raiders are a really good team they have not won yet in big 12 conference play they're sitting at 0-6 when you look at this big 12 conference we know that all these teams are really good a lot of these games are really close and really like for my money, the Big 12 by far and away has been the best and most impressive conference so far this season. Outside of the game between Kansas and Kansas State last night, what else to you has really stood out in this conference? And from a coaching perspective, is there any unique quality that these teams do well or that they have in common, which makes them so impressive? Well, number one, the Big 12, I mean, they're probably the conference most impacted by transfers. Um, when you look at Iowa State, I mean, they've, I don't want to give a number. I mean, they've got several transfers that play productive roles. A few guys I played against at St. Bonaventure, you know, Soon and Jaron Holmes are both there. And they were dominant players for a really good St. Bonaventure team for what seemed like forever while I was there. So, you know, Iowa State picking up both of them as experienced shot making, block, shot blocks, and just being able to play at high level basketball for a long period of time. Iowa State's really benefited from that. We already talked about Kansas State benefiting from that. I mean, when you look at the Big 12, Texas, I mean, these teams benefited the most from the transfer portal with impact-level players, um, not just role players. And I think a lot of times you look at the ACC, they have a lot of guys who are role players somewhere else that are kind of fitting into a spot. When you look at the Big 12, I mean, these are guys who were A-10 or level players that are playing at a high level in their fourth, fifth, or sixth year. So that's, I think, the commonality between in the league right there is that although the rosters may be different, they have good level of competitive experience. Secondly, I think their ability, you know, Texas Tech effect on the league. And, you know, I think Chris Beard and, and that Texas Tech community has a has an impact on the league like they did in football, you know, when they were getting spread out, spread in football. But because of how they pressured the ball and they kept the ball to one side of the floor and they switched everything, it made the Big 12 have to have a different level of athlete that can play. And before it used to be big shot blocking guys or small guards. Now it's like a lot more guys on the floor that can handle a lot more guys that can score. You know, a Kansas, an old school Kansas team with two bigs might've struggled against a Texas tech team that was pressuring and switching everything all over the place. So now the league's adjusted quickly and Texas tech is kind of the, they, they're kind of on the back end of that now because they were on the front end of the innovation of it. And now people have adjusted to be able to counter their kind of pressure and now they're going to have to pivot and adjust to be dominant in this league again. And I think that's just what you see in league play. A lot of times that if a team has a, a style that's competitively stronger over time, people adjust to it. And then that team that, that doesn't adjust to begin at the beginning, that that was ahead of the curve ends up behind the curve slightly. I think that's what you see with Texas tech. 
Yeah, Fran Fischilla actually said this during the, the game last night on the broadcast. He said, you have to be tough to play in the Big 12. And really, for a long time now, this league has been the definition of toughness. If you're not tough, you're not really going to stand a chance in this league. And you mentioned Iowa State, some of the transfers they have from St. Bonaventure and Holmes and Oshunahi. And one thing that's really stood out to me about this Iowa State team is TJ Otzelberger. Like, he's done a phenomenal job. In only his second year at Iowa State, he's only he's already gotten them to an NCAA tournament last year, uh, and that was only a year after they won two games and went over in Big 12 play during the 2021 season. And one thing that has stood out to me with with this Iowa State team, right? T.J. Otzelberger, he did a really good job at South Dakota State, and then he went to UNLV, and his teams there were never elite. They were never great on the defensive side of the ball. They were ranked towards the bottom of their respective conferences in uh, defensive efficiency. And now when you look at this Iowa State team this year and last year, they are uh, some of the better defensive teams in the league. Now, I know uh, around basketball and around the coaching industry, a lot of people use the word fit to describe like what is a good job for you and if you could have success. I know you worked with Shaka Smart. You know him very well, and he's at a great fit right now. At Marquette. And I think this is a similar situation here with TJ Otzelberger at Iowa State. The fact that he immediately gets to Iowa State, he's very familiar with the program. He's a former assistant there under Fred Hoiberg. And immediately this program has taken off. And honestly, like I didn't realize just how good of a basketball coach TJ Otzelberger is. And he's done a great job so far with this Iowa State team. Yeah. You know, when you have a, when you have good jobs, you have the ability to get good players and good players make you a good coach, and it gives you ability to adjust how you need to adjust. You know, so much of it is being able to do whatever it takes to win, and that means having a roster that's agile enough to be able to do that. A lot of times when you take over a program, the roster just lacks agility. And so you might look at those defensive numbers at UNLV, he might just didn't have the players that it took to defend the way that he needed to in that league. And coaches are great at adjusting because they're great at kind of learning and figuring out what works, what doesn't work. But then you get to a place like Iowa State, you know, where where he's been before. Number one, he's got a familiarity with what works there. You know, he's, he's really strong in that community, understands what he needs, understands how they built that thing. So now coming in there, his learning curve is a lot different than maybe it was at UNLV where he was trying to figure that out. He's trying to figure out the league, trying to figure out what kind of players, what kind of players strive there, what kind of players fail there. He walks in Iowa State. He knows exactly what's going to work and what isn't going to work. So that gives him a huge benefit right at the beginning. You know, recognizing, again, in the Big 12, I mean, that blueprint that that Texas Tech sort of laid out there, everyone's had to kind of adjust to that defensively. So I'm sure you're looking at that and going, well, we've got to adjust a little bit of this because this is what's dominating the league defensively, the kind of pressure you're able to play. And then when you're able to add in like a guy like Osunahi, who's an elite shot blocker and rebounder. Now, a lot of times a guy can block shots, but then he doesn't rebound the ball or he rebounds and can't block shots. He's a guy who's elite at both of those com- components and really good in the ball screen coverage. Um, so he gives you something that you that you just didn't have. I mean, they, didn't, they haven't had that at Iowa State in a long time. Uh, at Iowa State for a long time, it was kind of undersized bigs the like junior college undersized bigs that could kind of move on the perimeter and make some plays on the inside, but they haven't had an Asunahi in a long time. A guy that, that you got to really pay attention to that you can throw the ball up above the rim. And that is a game changer for your team. And it's a big time game changer for your offense, because if he's blocking shots for you and rebounding for you, then you can really get out and you can run in transition. And, and that changes the trajectory of your program pretty quickly. Absolutely. And it's crazy because Iowa State, again, they had a really good year last year. They make the Sweet 16 and the NCAA tournament, obviously, after only winning two total games in 2021. And then we kind of saw something similar a little bit this offseason where they lose Tyrese Hunter, the defending Big 12 transfer of the defending Big 12 freshman of the year. They lose him to the transfer portal. And right prior to the start of the season, they lose Jeremiah Williams, who was one of their top transfer portal ads from Temple, he goes down uh, with a torn ACL and he uh, brings in Taman Lipsy, the local kid from Iowa City, and he has this thing rolling again. Iowa State, they look like one of the better teams in the country. And coach, stick on the Big 12 here. Kansas, they lose their first Big 12 conference game last night to Kansas State. Iowa State, they beat Texas, who uh, we've spoken about it a little bit. They've played 
really well since Rodney Terry has taken over. I know you've seen some things uh, there, how, how uh, inspired the players look. They are, they're all on the same page uh, every time we watch Texas. So when you look at the Big 12 in this league in general, can you see this league getting seven, eight, maybe nine bids into the NCAA tournament? And when you're comparing it to some of the other leagues, like I know we spoke a lot about the defense and Texas Tech and their effect on the league, but is there anything else you see that just really differentiates the Big 12 from everyone else? Well, I think they're probably going to end up with, kind of doing the math right now, I think they're probably going to end up with six or seven teams that are going to get in. You know, what's going to end up happening is these these top-end teams are going to really beat down some of these teams that are kind of in the middle, um, which sort of happens. Um I think the job that Bill Self continues to do at Kansas is just so impressive. I think we talked about this a little bit um, via text. His ability to kind of pivot and adjust to what his team needs. You know, Dwan Harris, that point guard spot. The you know Norvell had a tough night because Dwan Harris was guard. You know, and you know Dwan Harris's ability to dominate the game on both ends of the floor <coughs> and create um, is really unique. Now, I'm kind of curious to see when someone's going to just really back off of him and try to keep him out of the lane. Um, but I think this is a year where Kansas maybe could, could lose, you know, and, and usually they're, they're so dominant top of that league. But I think it's just so interesting with how good the other teams are. I think TCU's flying under the radar. You know, people forget Jamie Dixon's one of the best coaches in the country and has been for a long time. He sort of made that move to TCU, and I think he's been forgotten about a little bit. But his team's always found a way to play really big in big moments. They're going to be a team to really watch out for. Um, Texas is interesting because I thought we they would have some emotional reset after the Chris Beard news. Um, but they didn't. They've sort of put all their emotion in one direction and continued to get better. It's a it's a great league. You know, a national champion could come from this league because it's just a lot of really good teams, but they could also cannibalize each other. And really beat each other down. Absolutely. And we've seen actually the last two national championships in college basketball have been won by the Big 12. And that's kind of what we've seen in the Big 10 too, right? Like those just so many great teams just continuing to beat each other up. And sometimes they do cannibalize each other a little bit. And I, I'm happy you mentioned TCU because I'm a huge fan of them as well. I do think Jamie Dixon is a very underrated coach. I agree there. But what really stands out to me, two things. One, I'm not sure how many better backcourts there are in the country than Mike Miles and Damian Ball in transition. They're so good. They're so effective. And I love how they're not the best three-point shooting team, but they have so many other ways, like how well they play in transition and the way they could rebound the ball on the offensive glass. Like it makes up for those things. And Jamie Dixon's teams have always been so tough. TCU, they're actually going to be playing at West Virginia tonight. That's an interesting game considering uh, just like Texas Tech, West Virginia is still looking for their big, uh, their first big 12 tour, uh, conference win, but they are an NCAA tournament team right now when you look at their resume. So when you look at TCU, I totally agree. Like uh, Mike Miles, Damian Baugh, led by Jamie Dixon. I think this is a legitimate team to watch for in the Big 12. Yeah, I think you got to watch out for them. And and um, I think just they're just really tough to play against. And like you talked about them playing in transition and how fast they can score it, how well they defend it. They're just a really, really good team. Um you know, secondly, I think it's crazy that West Virginia still it, resume still says they're a tournament team. You know, I think one of the things that's really hard for people to understand is that when you're in these high major power six conferences, it's really hard to not win like eight to 11 non-conference games, you know, when you're buying a lot of games. So I would think West Virginia and teams like that have a lot of work to do because you're going to have to get probably above 500 even in a great league. And you don't want to get too far behind there. Um so that, that surprises me somewhat with a team like West Virginia because I don't see them as a tournament team right now with how they performed in Big 12 play. Um, to me, that, that's the best indicator about how good your team is. Yeah, that's an interesting point that you bring up, actually, because um, I just pulled up their resume and, and the wins they have, and they have some good ones, right? Like they have a win over Pitt. They have a 29-point win over Florida. They beat UAB. But I feel like a lot of the reason why everyone is projecting them as an NCAA tournament team right now is their quote-unquote metrics and just how high those numbers are. And I think sometimes for, I don't want to say the casual college basketball fan, but 
for someone that it, that doesn't have a Ken Palm subscription or for someone that doesn't really understand how big of an emphasis the committee puts on the net rankings and your Ken Palm rankings, like as a coach, could that be, that, that must be pretty frustrating at times, right? Like when you see that and when you're in a position like West Virginia is, how do you keep playing like your best basketball knowing like at the back of your mind, like, eh, even though we're own five in the big 12 right now, like people are saying we're a tournament team. That's an interesting attitude and mindset to think about going into some of your biggest games of the season. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also interesting to me because these metrics, you know, th- these are like new numbers and I understand the data and I love the data, but you can, skew, you can skew the numbers until we figure out how they're being skewed. And then we have to change it backwards. Right. So like every time there's like a new metric that gets pushed and abused one direction, then we have to bring it back with another metric um, and, you know, I always wonder, like at the beginning of the year, no one starts at a, no one's, everyone just started zero, but somehow at the beginning of the year, teams are starting out with these metrics before they've even played a game. Um, I don't understand that. I mean, I think everyone's starting at zero. You kind of see where you are and see who you play against. You know, power five conferences now playing more conference games, uh, making sure they can kind of stay within one another and continue to build each other up. Um, Again, I don't understand those numbers. I, I want to figure out how how everyone doesn't start at zero so you can kind of earn where you are. It doesn't mean that team like West Virginia wouldn't be at the end of the day, but I just think it's very interesting because everyone's sort of starting out at different numbers, but you haven't played any games yet. Every All these teams have different rosters. I mean, I think everyone would pick Clemson to finish dead last in the ACC with all the injuries they've had, and I think they're one or two right now in the ACC. So where did their metrics say they were at the beginning of the year and then how are they able to climb? So I just think it's an interesting dynamic I think we just got to be careful with the numbers just because we don't understand where they all come from all the time. So understanding that better and trusting your eyes and watching teams play, I think that does mean something. Maybe they'll get there by the end of the year. I'm not saying they're not, but I'm just saying right now, if you're 0-5 in league play, you know that, that seems kind of hard to look at a team like Charleston who could lose in their conference tournament and then suddenly they're not in. It'd be hard for you to say, well, they're better than Charleston, right? And then that's what you really get to at the end with those with those with those kind of metrics. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm happy you brought up too like the conferences really prioritizing playing more conference games to try to elevate those numbers because I think that's been something with the Big 10, right? The last two NCAA tournaments, that uh, conference has gotten about 20 teams combined in. Meanwhile, they haven't been able to get to the final four. The conference hasn't won a national championship since 2000, and a lot of people wonder like why is it the last two NCAA tournaments, the Big Ten has really struggled. And I think uh, part of the answer to that is the fact that the Big Ten, they were the first conference to start playing 20 games. You look at these teams' schedules out of conference two, they're loaded. And the Big Ten is, I think, the prime example of a conference that's loaded. Like, there are so many good teams, but they cannibalize each other. Right now, you look at the Big Ten, like Purdue, they're probably clearly the best team. But then you have so many other teams that are pretty similar. You have Ohio State and Rutgers and Michigan State and Iowa and Wisconsin. Like all of these teams are fighting for NCAA tournament bids and they'll likely get a lot, but I don't know like how well the conference is going to do in the tournament. And honestly, like I don't even know how to differentiate some of these teams because as soon it feels like as soon as you figure out something about someone in the Big Ten, it just doesn't even matter and you just got to learn something more. So the Big Ten is a crazy league and I think it's interesting how other conferences have kind of tried to uh, copy that approach playing just as many conference games and big time games against uh, good opponents in the non-conference portion of their schedules as well. Yeah. Well, it makes sense from a conference standpoint, you know, it's allowing them to get more teams into the NCAA tournament, but it may not be preparing their teams to win it. Um, Because I do think in conference play, you sort of settle into a certain rhythm that every team sort of has and every conference has a different rhythm. And so you can kind of settle into that rhythm and you may be the best within that, that rhythm or so, but playing the non-conference games gives you a chance to play people who have different styles, which you're going to need to learn how to play in the NCAA tournament. And that's the beautiful thing about the NCAA tournament. If we keep it as it is that you're going to probably, you're going to play a team that you haven't played, played before. You're going to play a team that has a different style than what you have. You're going to play a team that's been, been really successful and really confident. When you get in conference play, it's all over the place. You know, a team might have lost four games in a row. They might have had three bad days of practice. You know, their emotions are all over the place. But when you get to the NCAA tournament, it's a beautiful place. It's like the most beautiful land you've ever been. It's a land of where only confident men win. And 
And in conference play, it, it kind of ebbs and flows as the year goes on with that level of confidence. And so when you're playing 20 big, when you're playing 20 big 10 games, you know, knowing that you're going to get seven or eight in, it might, and that's great for the conference. You can get a lot of people in, but if the goal is to win it going outside of your conference and playing the very best does matter as well. And, you know, it's been great to get a lot of people in. We'll see if it produces a champion, which I think is the ultimate goal. Yeah. So while we're on the big 10, there was a game in this conference uh, that occurred last night that I wanted to get a few thoughts from you on uh, Wisconsin, the Badgers, they beat Penn state 63 to 60. And I want to talk to you about Penn state because this is a team that I know both of us really like. And every time I watch them, I'm really impressed. Dating back uh, since the beginning of the season, I saw them play in Charleston uh, in that tournament, and they really impressed me. Every time they take the floor, whether they win or lose, I know they're giving their best effort. They run really good stuff, and it's crazy because last night, Penn State going into the game, they were 0-18 all-time at the Kohl Center. They have never won in that building, and unfortunately, that did continue last night with Wisconsin getting the win, but... Uh, Penn State had two opportunities to tie the game. They were down three with the ball. Micah Shrewsbury, their head coach, ran really good stuff, got their best shooter, Andrew Funk, in position to make uh, and tie the game. Unfortunately, he didn't do that. But I'm really impressed every time I watch this Penn State team. I think they're better than people realize in the Big Ten Conference. I know you're very familiar with Jalen Pickett, their star player. So when you watch Penn State, what stands out to you? And uh, when you look at this team's future, like, do you think they're an NCAA tournament team? And if they get there, can they do damage? Well, I think Shrewsbury's done an amazing job of building a roster that can win in the Big Ten. Um, they're big, they're physical, they're strong, they're tough. Um, they have enough people that can make shots, but they're going to defend you every single night. You know, coming from Purdue, having a, working with Brad Stevens and Boston Celtics, he really had a great understanding of, of what he needed to do defensively. And he's continued to add offensive players that if he, he really added, did it differently than the Big 12. The Big 12 added high major guys, high major guys transferring around or 18 or above. You know, he really did it differently. He brought in low major guys that had, had success and won into, into his program. So he did it a little bit differently than others because there's other ways, there's different ways you can do it. But I'm always just impressed. I had a chance to go up and spend some time with him this fall. I love his demeanor and practice, how they compete and how they play. Everybody in the organization knows what they need to do to be successful. Does a great job of giving great clarity on what it means to play at Penn State, what it means to win in the Big Ten. Um, you know, so I'm not a, I'm not surprised at their success. You know, he's not going to let his teams beat themselves. They're going to play really secure basketball and take care of it and, and play with their strengths. He just really does a great job. And, you know, he, uh, you know looking at the league, it's like – he, he's got to have a great chance to be coach of the year candidate in that league for what they've been able to do. And, and they're going to make some noise. Now they've got some work to do. I mean, they still have got to beat some of these better teams. You know, I'd love to see them make that progression this year where they step into and, and really start beat some of these teams that traditionally been really good in the big 10. I think this is a group of guys that will have it. That will have the ability to do that. I'll be excited to watch that as that transpires. Cause that's the next step for them. They've beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat and teams they're even with. Can we step into that upper echelon and, and beat someone who's traditionally been better than us? Absolutely. And looking at their schedule, their next four games aren't going to be easy. They will host Nebraska, go on the road to Rutgers. We know that's not an easy place to win. Host Michigan, and they will go to Purdue. Uh, Coach, when I watch this team, though, the one thing that really stands out to me is Jalen Pickett. He played all 40 minutes last night, scores 19 points, 12 rebounds, six assists. I know you've coached him in the past and you're very familiar with his game, but for someone that hasn't watched Jalen Pickett play, they look at that stat line and they say, wow, like that's really impressive. He could do a lot of different things well. But when you coached him and when you compare him to where he is right now compared to where he was when he first started playing to you, like what improvements has he made? And uh, when you look at Jalen Pickett, just how good is he? Well, I think he's really special. You know, I think when, when I talked to Shrewsbury about Jalen Pickett, you know, when he was transferring and he said, you know, I just want to use him how you used him, basically. You know, he said, I want this system to be very similar to what you guys did in the pick and roll game. I want him to have a lot of success. I want to put the ball in his hands. And so I feel like, you know, having a head coach who said that from the very beginning, you know, just allowed him to, to step in and be in a comfortable situation. You know, they didn't bring him in and move him off the ball. He brought him in and put the ball in his hands and put him in the pick and roll where he excels at. You know, he's gotten better at, you know, his ability to shoot the ball from the outside. 
Um, but he always did the other things really well. Uh, always rebounded well, always defended really well, but he's even gotten better at that as he's been able to get his feet away and he's gotten bigger and stronger. Always been a really great passer. You know, he just does a lot of those things. He's always naturally did those things. I wish I could say I could, I could take credit on all those things, but you know, he's always naturally done those things really well. He's won at every level that he's done. I mean, he was a great football player, great basketball player in high school. And he's just a guy who finds ways to win. And he's a guy that you want to be around with. You want to hang out with every day in practice. He's just a winner. And we say that a lot, say that term a lot. And, but he does those things. Everywhere he's been, it's been better. Um, he's just a special player. And I think he's, he's improved his leadership, you know, watching from afar and watching in practice. You know, I had him when he was a really young player. We were really trying to work with him and trying to show him how to lead and helping him find his way. Watching him in practice, I recognize, I man, he's really grown in that area, and he's really bringing a lot of these guys along with him, and they do it together. Absolutely. That's one thing that's really stood out to me. I like how you said that about the Penn State program. Like, everyone in that building knows exactly what they need to do in order to have success. Coach, before we wrap up, there's one other game I wanted to quickly hit on last night that stood out to me. It was in the ACC, and you actually mentioned this team earlier when we were getting into the NCAA tournament and the metrics conversation, but that was Clemson. They took their first ACC conference loss of the season, but it was to Steve Forbes and Wake Forest. And uh, I've been really impressed with Steve Forbes going back to last year and the job that he's done at Wake Forest. If you remember, uh, the in the entire Power Six college basketball, that offseason after the NCAA tournament got uh, canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic, there was only one school that made a coaching change at, in that offseason after the tournament got canceled, and that was Wake Forest bringing in Steve Forbes. And this is a Wake Forest program that has passionate fans. They have a great history. But prior to Steve Forbes getting there, they were on a little bit of a cold streak that we hadn't seen them have that NCAA tournament success that we're so used to seeing them have. And last year, Steve Forbes does a great job in the transfer portal, right? He brings in Alondis Williams from Oklahoma and Jake LaRavia from Indiana State and turns them into NBA players, both of them. LaRavia was a first-round pick. And then this offseason, he brings in Tyree Appleby from Florida. He's turned into a really good player. He brings in Andrew Carr from Delaware, who's really contributing at a really high level in the ACC. I just wanted to say I'm so impressed with Steve Forbes and Wake Forest. They earned another big ACC win last night over Clemson. And uh, when you look at this program, you look at this team, what stands out to you? Well, you got Steve Forbes, who has a junior college background. This market is great for him. You know, when you're coaching at a junior college, you're going to get players. You, you, you've got to fill your roster with different sorts of guys all the time. And you've got a short window. If you're a JUCO head coach, you've got one or two years to get the most out of this player. So you don't have a whole lot of time to, to say, we're going to develop this skill or do this. You're going to instead look at it and say, what do you do really well? And we're going to do a lot of that um, over the time that we have. So when you see guys transferring in there and having success right away, that's what he's doing. He's building a system. He's not coming up to the chalkboard and saying, this is my system. He's empowering the player and saying, this is a system that's going to work for all of us. And then putting them in position and be able to go out there and have a ton of success being able to do that. Did the same thing at East, East Tennessee. And he's just got the ability to do that. And he's probably sees the game that way. When I watch them play, I say, man, like he really adjusts to what he has and really puts those players in the right position to go have success. It's a unique skill. You know, you've seen a lot of older, old school coaches sort of struggle with this new wave of transfer. And, but he is not. This really fits him and how he's grown up in this business. Obviously, he's always been an excellent basketball coach, but his ability to bring in players and them to have success really early is a really credit to him and how he's able to develop them in a quick way by using their strengths. Absolutely. And Wake Forest, they're another team that's kind of right on the NCAA tournament bubble right now. That win last night over Clemson was big. They will host uh, Virginia coming up on Saturday. That's going to be a big game. But Coach Christian, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you, was there anything else that stood out from you in college basketball last night or over the weekend uh, that you had thoughts on or even anything in the next couple of days game-wise that you're looking forward to? I'm excited to see how this thing continues to grow. You know, we've got a lot of key programs, Louisville, Georgetown, Syracuse, that are huge names that are really struggling right now. I'm in, I'm interested to see how those teams respond. You know, those teams are those are teams that have talented enough rosters that you're talking about these teams on the bubble. You know, if you lose one of those teams because of where their metrics are, that can really hurt you. 
So I'm just kind of curious to see how they get into this discussion here, this NCAA discussion, not by winning themselves in, but by beating a team or two and really knocking someone off of that bubble. Excited to see some of these mid-major teams continue to play. You know, Towson in the CAA, Charleston in the CAA. Excited about watching them because they're going to be a team that's there. There's going to, you know, in those one bid leagues, you're going to have an opportunity to get in and upset somebody. So I think this is the time of year where I kind of start turning my focus a little bit to the mid majors um, because those teams are being so dominant right now. I've been in that position before. If they lose one tournament game and they're out of it, that's going to change this whole bubble situation for a lot of these other teams. So it's just really exciting team to watch that Carolina. Um, I want to watch Carolina. They got to win the other night versus Boston college. They're trying to get healthy. Obviously, we know when they're at their best, they have a chance to win a national title. They haven't gotten there yet. They just haven't been able to click because of the injuries. But again, I think they're a really, really dangerous team and just want to continue to see them make progression. And, you know, we could also talk about Duke in the sense that they're just so young and they've had some injuries as well. When will they be fully healthy and be able to get back down the road and attack it? Yeah, and this year, there's some really good mid-major teams. I know you mentioned Charleston. They're ranked in the top 25, but they're not alone. We have Florida Atlantic, they're playing great basketball. They've only lost one game all season. They went on the road to Florida and won. And especially in a year where there aren't a ton of really consistently dominant teams that play their best basketball night in and night out. I'm definitely interested to see like what that means for mid-majors. Does that mean mid-majors are going to have more success in the NCAA tournament? And for that, like you're only going to benefit watching them early now. Get, we're trying to figure out who is going to be the next St. Peter's or the next Loyola Chicago or George Mason. And there's only one way to find out. And that's locking in to these mid-major games. But coach Kristen, I wanted to say thank you so much for joining me. We always love having you on and looking forward to looking forward to doing it again soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.